meets an Ethiopian. He's a eunuch. He's a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, and he was in charge of her treasury. So this guy, you would call him secretary of the treasury. He's, he's a very important official. So Philip goes down there. Philip is sitting by the road, and the guy rides along in his chariot, of all things, reading Isaiah 53 out loud. <laughs> is that what you expect? No. This is crazy. So Philip runs up to the chariot and says, hey, you know what you're reading? And the guy's like, uh, no, can you tell me? And so Philip hops in the chariot and explains it to him. The guy believes. <coughs> they come to a place where there's water. It's not what you expect in the desert either. And the guy's baptized. Philip doesn't appear to know now what God's plan is. He just takes the next step. The angel said, go. He had an opportunity, and he hit that one for a home run. Crazy things happen. And next, in verse 40, Philip found himself at Azotus. Um, Azotus is, uh, is the Greek word. In, uh, in Hebrew, the name of that town is Ascalon. It's still there. Uh, the, the Jews have re rebuilt it. The original mound of Ashkelon is still there. It's now the fifth largest city in Israel. He goes from Ashkelon all the way up to uh, uh, Caesarea, which was an artificial harbor the Romans had built on the, uh, the coastline of Palestine. It was actually the Roman capital. He preaches from Ashkelon all the way through Caesarea, that's all through the ancient land of the Philistines. Crazy things happen. Philip does not appear to know what God's plan is. He just takes the next step. Okay, so let's go back through eight, Acts 8 and see if God had a plan. Let's see how God was at work. I think I've established that crazy things happen, right? <clears throat> Number one, how is it God at work here? First, the Jews kill one of the seven servants, Stephen. God raises up another, Philip, to spread the gospel. That's quite a plan. It, uh, it, it should have convinced any of the Jews that they were opposing God, uh, that Philip was so successful. Then second, Samaria is converted. Now, Samaria was one of ancient Israel's main enemies. After the kingdom split, when after King Solomon died, the kingdom of Israel split to the north and the south, Judah and Israel. Samaria became the capital of the northern kingdom. These guys have been Israel's enemies since way, way, way back. These were the guys that Elijah and Elisha prophesied to. Was not really considered all that successful a ministry. You see these guys in Nehemiah during the restoration. Jerusalem had been sacked. The walls had been torn down. The place had been burned. Nehemiah came to rebuild the wall. Who were the Samaritans in that story of rebuilding the wall? 
They were the opposition. Yeah, they were the guys saying, yeah, while you build a fox will run on it and knock it down. They were the guys writing letters back to, um, uh, to the Persians saying, hey, these Jews are going to rebel. These were the enemy. They were opposed to any Jewish Messiah, but now Jesus wins them through Philip. Jesus the Messiah does what no king of Judah ever could do. He won the Samaritans. This is staggering. This is amazing. This is a missionary going into North Korea, seeing North Korea repent, and Kim, whatever his name is, admitting that he's been wrong all these years. This, this is truly staggering. God is at work. Did Philip know that that was what was going to happen? There's no indication that he did. This is truly remarkable. God had a plan. And then, and then the Ethiopian, the, the, uh, the, the officer, court official, Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, is converted. The tradition of the Coptic church, you know what the Coptic church is? Yeah, the tradition of the Coptic church is that Ethiopia was reached by this man and that this is the founding of the Coptic church. It wasn't just one guy. See, that's the power of the gospel. As one guy reaches another guy who reaches another guy, it begins to multiply. And this man was highly influential. The Ethiopians reached by this man. Now, the first century people would have connected this man with Jesus' references to the Queen of the South. Matthew 12, 42, Luke 11, 31. Jesus talks about how if the Queen of the South was there to witness Jesus, that she would have repented. And here's the evidence that her kingdom is going to repent. This Ethiopian eunuch. Just as the ancient queen testified to Solomon's greatness, so does this Egyptian official testify that Jesus is the Christ. And then finally, we don't get the details as uh, Philip's last journey here, uh, but the Philistines are converted. These are the very worst enemy of ancient Israel. Their conquest by David showed clearly that he was the Lord's anointed. Remember all those times in the Old Testament where David is described as the Lord's anointed? That is the normal term that was used to describe the king of Israel. In England, you talk about her majesty. You don't see much of that in the Bible. What you see is the Lord's anointed. And David's conquest of these Philistines clearly showed that he was the Lord's anointed. <clears throat> the Greek for anointed. Anybody know how that's translated? It's translated Christ. Anointed is the Hebrew word for Messiah. Messiah is a transliteration of the word anointed. Christ means the anointed. <laughs> this last verse of Acts 8 what the authors show us is that Jesus is David's heir, the anointed one of God, the Christ of God. 
because the Philistines hear the gospel. Doesn't give us the details in there, but clearly the Philistines are hearing the gospel. God has a method in what appears crazy to us. Crazy things happen to Philip. Philip does not know what God's plan is. He just takes the next step that God does have a plan of showing the world in this next step of the gospel how all the lands around in Israel turn and submit to Christ as king. They submit to Jesus as the king. And God's plan is brought to fruition. Sometimes we forget about what a huge advance this was for the gospel because the very next thing is Paul's conversion. And uh, that, of course, turns on the supercharger. Uh, but we forget about what, what a work that God did through Philip. <clears throat> so just like in our day, the church back in Acts 8 did not want a war. But war came. At least some of them were prepared for it. The apostles held the fort where the action was the hottest in Jerusalem. Apparently they were devoting themselves to prayer and to the teaching of the word. Those who were scattered took the weapons that God had given them and won a great victory. Now we know what the world's weapons are, right? Persecution, prison, stoning, stuff like that. Okay, that really gets your attention, right? Somebody try to stone you, somebody throw you in prison. Would that get your attention? Somebody enter into your house, grab you, and haul you off to prison? Would you remember that? <laughs> how, many, how many years would you remember that? <laughs> would you remember that for the rest of your life? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> that gets your attention. So what are our weapons? What are our weapons that have even more power than those things? Those weapons are given in Ephesians 6. They are truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, the word, prayer, and perseverance. Those are what our weapons are. And they don't sound as powerful, but they are. They are more powerful, in fact. And just as when Joshua led the people of Israel in battle against Amalek, while Moses prayed with his hands upraised, God... God won a great victory over persecution and the weapons of this world through the apostles and the early church. And my point is that today we have the same opportunity. Let me encourage you to take one of those bookmarks and fill out the five names if you haven't already. And then make an effort to pray. How will God use you? Really? I don't know. Just take the next step. Will God work in one of the five that you write down? To tell you the truth, I have no clue. Just take the next step. Will anyone come to Christ? Again, I don't know. Just take the next step. I'll give you a little personal illustration. <clears throat> Years ago, when I was a student at North Carolina State University, uh, I wanted to see people reach for Christ. I didn't have particularly a great plan. I noticed at that university, for whatever reason, uh, many people ate alone at lunch. 
And now typically uh, in, the, uh, in the evening, at the evening meal, people would sit in groups. But at lunch, they would sit alone. So I came up with this great plan. I was going to go over to guys sitting alone at lunch, introduce myself, and ask if I could eat with them, and then try to share Christ with them. All sorts of stuff happened. Amazingly, most people said, sure. And most people were gracious about my intruding into their space and listened to the gospel, politely at least. Um, Had some people come to Christ. Actually, I had so many guys want to be in Bible study that they couldn't all be in my study. And it was, I got to the end of the year, and it was somewhere around 20 guys that had joined Bible study. (laughs) But let me tell you one thing that happened. One guy I talked to, and it seemed to go just fine. And the next day, I'm walking down a sidewalk. It's a long, straight sidewalk. And up in the distance, I can tell, hey, it's this guy. And I'm thinking, you know, what am I going to share with him? And and just as we're getting closer, there kind of comes that place where you get close enough where you can actually recognize other people's faces. And and I'm thinking about what I'm going to share with him. And all of a sudden, he jumps into the bushes next to the sidewalk. <laughs> I didn't know what you're supposed to say after that happened. <laughs> And I'm walking on down the sidewalk, and I kind of look as I go by, and sure enough, there he is in the bushes. (laughs) All sorts of crazy things happen. A few years back, uh, I could not attend uh, the reunion of that ministry, but one guy called me up. His name's Ken Austin. He thanked me for changing his life. Was that worth being embarrassed about a guy jumping in the bushes? Man, man. I could never have predicted that. Didn't have a great plan. So a lot of crazy stuff happens, like guys hiding in the bushes. But God has a plan. I took the next step. God got the glory. You, too, can take the next step for God's glory. So whether we like it or not, crazy things happen in a war zone. In spite of the craziness, God is at work. So we can't win this war by ourselves, but we can take the next step. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we bow before you. We thank you that you do have a plan, that you are the one who is in charge that you are the one that is is pulling all of this together. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son. Thank you for working all around us. Father, work in us to help us to take the next step. And we pray in your Son's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And... uh, just like to, to point out something here. As you as you read through this chapter here in Acts 16, you notice how I tied it all back into these things that happened in the Old Testament, and how all of these things had to do with um, how God was at work way back then, and how all of that was fulfilled in Christ. 
<clears throat> Jesus says much the same thing in, uh, in Matthew chapter 5. He said he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Everything about what God has done through all time and eternity is fulfilled in Christ. And so, and so he set up communion as a regular ritual, as a formal way of remembering his son. Because what Jesus did really is the main thing. We could leave out almost anything in the Bible. If you left out Jesus, you might as well throw the whole thing away. Because his work on the cross, what he did for us, is the main thing. Paul says, uh, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that on the night he was betrayed, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And and that's what we want to do here today. So what we're going to do is um, have each row come up one by one, and takes bread and and some juice, and uh, I I think the uh, worship team is going to play a few tunes for us. And once everybody um, gets the uh, the elements, uh, then we'll say a little more, and uh, we'll all take them together. So let's pray again, Father, as we come before you to um, to receive these elements. Father, we pray that you would work in our hearts. Change us, mold us. Father, help us to take that next step uh, that you have called us to take. Thank you for sending your son. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.